It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Between games, I, I didn't have a big idea. I actually alluded to this in yesterday's podcast on Game 3, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the second unit and the rotations that originally Steve Kerr and now Mike Brown are using, and I think it's good to have a little bit of a baseline for where this is where this is coming from and where it is going. So the Warriors have actually one of the trademark parts of this offseason or of, the, of this playoff so far has been that they have not worked their guys too hard. Their highest minute guy so far is Draymond Green. Draymond Green is at 35.4 minutes per game, which is 25th in the entire playoffs. So you know that if you think about there were 16 teams originally. Ru- puts that down and LeBron is averaging around 42 minutes a game of course as we all know they're getting lots of rest because they already beat the Toronto Raptors so they are through to the Eastern Conference Finals we'll see who they play but that gets into a a key idea for the Warriors and so they have to figure out at a very basic level what they want to do effectively with about eight minutes per game because I assume that moving forward because guys play the best players play a higher share of minutes as you get later on in the playoffs, opponents get bigger, unless the Warriors want to, for whatever reason, think those guys can't play more, but they certainly can. And so I'm using 40, 40 minutes a game as a loose barometer for Draymond Clay, Steph Curry, and, and Kevin Durant. And so if you go with 40 minutes a game regulation, that means you have eight minutes per game, four per half if you think that's easier, where those players are not on the floor. And really, what Mike Brown in this case, or Steve Kerr, there was the, the reporting is out there now that he underwent a back procedure at, I believe it was at Duke, and we don't really know much other than that. Of course, this when I know more, that will be included in the podcast, but that's what we know right now. We don't know anything about a potential timeline for recovery or anything really like that. So what Mike Brown in this case and the coaching staff need to figure out is, how do you want to distribute those eight minutes or so? And- For the most part, what the Warriors have done with a larger amount of minutes is they've done a version of a stagger. And so what they've done is they've had 
Steph Curry and largely Kevin Durant play most of the first and third. Then Curry plays the entire first and third. Then he usually sits about the first six minutes of the second and fourth. Durant does a slightly modified version of that. Sometimes he comes out a little bit earlier. They, they used to do a, a, some more complicated stuff with Durant, but that's pretty much what they do right now. Then Clay Thompson and Draymond Green each come out midway through the first and first and third, and then they kind of carry that second unit and so the composition has changed originally they were actually doing Durant in that lineup and then starting around the Sacramento game in January that's when they made the switch to Draymond anchoring the second unit and that works pretty well in the regular season because you're playing against worse teams and that unit is still incredibly talented relative to an NBA team, even many teams starting lineups and so whether it was Ian Clark in that lineup they had tried Sean Livingston at various moments in time that was a tweak that actually came later I think that was in March when Livingston started playing instead of playing in the second he started playing with Curry and that worked out reasonably well I have a thought on that as well which I'll get onto later but they went with that approach and I think that the problem that it, it runs into in the playoffs and this was readily apparent in the game against the Jazz in game three and to a point in game two is that they can't generate enough offense unless the defense is doing everything right because they they rely a lot on transition and they have too many players that opponents are comfortable leaving or not guarding heavily and so what that does is it creates less space and guys like Ian Clark and Clay Thompson are talented you know they're they're good basketball players but if you give them kind of one and a half men to try to get through that's too much and so they're getting into these lineups that can be really stagnant offensively. And then when you have a stagnant offense, that often makes it harder to, to play well defensively because you're getting more possessions in transition. You're getting more possessions where you're starting with mismatches and things like that. And then this is the idea of feedback loops where then it becomes harder to score and everything like that. And so one approach would be to run... Durant a little bit differently and this is actually the approach that I would do so if we're going to assume that he's going to sit for four minutes per half what you could do with Durant is run him separately from Curry a little bit more maybe do two minutes at the end of the first and then two minutes at the beginning of the second so then yeah you have a couple of possessions where the second unit is going to be without Durant and you can go that that way and I think I think that can work a little bit better than what they're doing right now I have toyed with the idea in the past and think it's an interesting concept worth considering of actually playing more minutes with the Warriors four best players together and trying to cobble together a few minutes maybe even just two per half with an all backup group and that would actually be a, a nice use for Zaza Pachulia potentially could run a lineup something like Sean Livingston, Orian Clark, Patrick McCaw, Matt Barnes, David West, and Petrulia, and just slog it out for like two minutes, give those guys some rest. And then what that does is it allows you to play the four guys together a little bit more. And the Warriors have been so good with those players together that if they could cobble together four minutes, let's say two per half with those backup units, then they could provide an even larger share together. The Warriors might not even need to do that to win, but it's an idea worth considering. And what the Durant part gets into is an, a challenge that Mike Brown and the coaching staff is really going to have to deal with, which is, is it better to have more time with two players of the four together, or is it better to have more time with three? Because either way, you can make it work. But basically, if you're going to do three, then you're going to also have 
either sometime where it's just one, like that could be theoretically be Curry at the end of the end of the first and third quarters, or it could be less time with the four together because if you're going to stagger their breaks a little bit more, then you're never fully or you're rarely fully operational, and that could depend on the opponent, and also that could also depend on how the opponent manages their guys. And the, the easiest example of this is actually Cleveland. So Cleveland plays LeBron. Granny's playing a, a ton of minutes. He's playing like 42 a game. And let's say it stays at about that level. So that's even shorter rest. He typically rests the beginning or sorry, the end of the first and third. And then he plays pretty much the whole second. And that leads to those units that have just run roughshod over the Eastern conference where it's LeBron and a bunch of shooters at the beginning of the second and fourth quarters. And that is part of the, that is one of the lineups that I think is, should be driving the Warriors to be trying out new things. Because if that lineup is going against the Warriors current second unit, I don't think that the Warriors can stop them well enough and generate enough reliable offense. So that's something worth considering in both Houston and San Antonio have capable benches as well, so they can throw some stuff out there. That's generally when James Harden sits, Kawhi's minutes have bounced around. So I don't know at this point whether there is a single player that they would want to pair necessarily with LeBron. And so basically what that is, is what Indiana ended up doing against the Cavs, which is matching up your best players minutes with their best players minutes just to make sure that you don't get any time with that guy up for so paul george was mirroring lebron toronto sort of did this with pj tucker but they didn't start him which i thought was pretty silly and so my general idea with that is to just kind of go more in the direction of having three guys together at once as opposed to two and two or if you're going to go two and two have one of the creators and that would be durant or Steph Curry, they're also really good shooters, have one of those guys on the floor more frequently because those lineups with neither of them out there that are non-garbage time haven't generated enough reliable offense. And the Warriors have a lot of smart guys that can move the ball, but you need to create that original seam that then you can make all the passes from. And this is the same issue that the Spurs have dealt with at moments when Tony Parker hasn't been good, which is if you can't create the first separation, you can't make all the other passes to get the open three. Then you're just kind of getting into these stagnant possessions. And I think back to that one Ian Clark had in the second quarter of the of game three, where nothing really happened on the possession. It got to him with four seconds on the shot clock. And it was like, do something. And he turned the ball over. Clark is, you know, low on the totem pole for the Warriors, but that is still important to consider. And I'm interested with where it goes moving forward. And the other way that the Warriors could change this around, and this is something that I would advocate for against certain opponents, and the Cavs could be one of these, it also could be the Spurs, is the idea of playing somebody, the fifth starter, being somebody who also plays in the second unit. So the idea here would be play David West for about four minutes to start each half and that gets the other team out of their comfort zone then you could transition from that straight into the Hamptons five bring in Iguodala and that would not be giving so many minutes to West that it would be unsustainable then you could go maybe go to the Hamptons five for a few minutes then the next sub would probably be JaVale McGee you go to that lineup and then that could be when you bring in Livingston when you do all the other stuff and so the difference in dimension there is that you don't have the same non-shooter kind of capacities out there. And something that the other thing I wanted to mention, I alluded to this before, is something that I give Nate Duncan credit for is the idea that Sean Livingston has been an important part of this team, but adding Durant and the way that they conceived of the second unit 
has made him a man without a country just because there isn't really a place where the Warriors need his ball handling. His defense is certainly a wonderful addition, and when his shot is falling, that's a nice nice addition. But so the idea is what the Warriors need in as a kind of Clay Thompson replacement in those lineups when Curry is still on the floor, sometimes Durant is, sometimes Durant isn't, is somebody who can be a little bit more versatile defensively and also is, is low usage, low ball handling. And that player is actually Patrick McCaw. So the idea would be that you play McCaw in that spot, and like Clay Thompson at moments, he guards the better perimeter player, the better guard, to be more accurate, and then Curry guards the other guy. Curry has the ball in his hands more if Durant's on the floor or Draymond's on the floor, however you want to do it. And I think that's a really smart adjustment as well. And if you can steal a couple minutes from him, then that also puts less pressure on a lot of the other pieces in the rotation. Because if you can get minutes from him, if you can get minutes from Ian Clark, all those sorts of things, then you start to think about the way the other pieces fit together. And if that works, then you also have less pressure to play Clay Thompson for the entirety of quarters. And it also mitigates the risk with him, which is always there, even though Curry's actually been worse about this in the playoffs, of what happens when he's in foul trouble. Because McCaw is obviously not Clay, but if you play him in those minutes, then you're not really giving Clay the quick hook as often because he's not going to be playing the end of those quarters anyway. So it's something worth considering. It's actually where I would go against most teams. And I've been thinking about this with Houston because Houston doesn't play guards that are really flawed offensively. I mean, Beverly isn't perfect, but he's still very good. Lou Williams is, a, is an offensive talent. Can't play defense at all, but he's an offensive talent. And then Eric Gordon's really strong. So McCaw works better in all likelihood in those circumstances, especially actually in the case of Houston, because Lou Williams, you can functionally hide on Livingston unless Livingston's going to make all of his jumpers because Livingston can't shoot. So if you put if you put Lou Williams there, it's kind of like what they would actually do with Harden if that's the series that happens of just having him help off. And, you know, sometimes he's going to Sean's going to get a turnaround, but not that often. So that's kind of the storyline there. I think there are a lot of different ideas. It's part of the reason why being a coach is so complicated is because there is no right answer to this. If there was a single way for the Warriors rotation to work, they'd be doing it. There isn't. So they aren't. So I think that's a, a way of putting it that I think is is fair and We'll, we'll see. I'm guessing they're going to do kind of like what Kerr did and just stay close to the norm until they get challenged, until they get threatened. If you remember, that's when they went to Andre Guadalla in the starting lineup was after they were down 2-1 in that series to the Cavs. They changed stuff around a little bit last year when they got threatened by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then as kind of the things got away from them in the Cavs series, it was more complicated because they were also dealing with injuries. Bogut, Bogut's thing, and then Iguodala's back and, and everything like that. So I don't know exactly where it's going to go. I am not in the prediction business when it comes to the Warriors rotations, but I do think that they should consider retooling the second unit and giving Durant more time there, especially because Steph Curry has done a pretty good job in the minutes where Durant has been off the floor. So I don't think you're in that same worry about, oh, you know, these guys need each other, symbiosis, they need each other to succeed. It can work, but it doesn't have to. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about just very briefly was a kind of a warrior-centric perspective on what's going on in the series that if the Warriors win, they will face the winner of, which is Spurs Rockets. And so that series has had a lot of twists and turns because Houston had that massive win in game one. It looks like things were going their way. Then San Antonio won game two pretty comfortably, made a couple of adjustments, got David Lee out of the starting lineup. That really helped. And then in game three, they ended up building on that success 
they've really done a nice job with Pau Gasol at center. And what they were doing is they were turning James Harden and Lou Williams to a point into drivers and floater shooters. And that's not something Houston does particularly well. They were getting worse shots. They were contesting at the three-point line. And so that's really where things were. But then that's when Tony Parker got hurt. Tony Parker ruptured his quad tendon. He's out for the entire playoffs. They decided to go with DeJounte Murray, their rookie out of Washington, at point guard instead of Patty Mills. Mills is in a more consistent role, but he's still playing heavy, heavier minutes off the bench. So that was, you know, that part of it actually wasn't too bad in game four. But what the Spurs did and what the Rockets did that was really interesting is both teams at different moments went a lot smaller. And what the Rockets started doing at moments of game four because of combination of foul trouble for Clint Capella, their starting center, and a groin injury for Nene, their backup center, is they started going to Ryan Anderson at center. Ryan Anderson, Chico product, Cal product, great shooter. And what that did is, yeah, there are going to be some big problems defensively. They don't really have much in the way of rim protection. But the Spurs had to defend him out at the three-point line because you have to defend Ryan Anderson at the three-point line. And that meant much better driving lanes for James Harden in particular, Lou Williams at points, Patrick Beverly at points, Trevor Rees at points. Rees was actually a very nice role man in this game because you, you couldn't really help it from anywhere. And the Spurs at moments countered with Kawhi Leonard at the four. That actually worked really well. They never went really, really ambitious because I guess the closest they could go is LaMarcus Aldridge at the five. And they did that for a little bit, but not that much. And the, the reason why that's notable for the Warriors is that while no strategy is perfect against Golden State, that's part of the reason they're so special. It is worth noting that going small might be some teams, including the Rockets, best chance to just try to beat the Warriors by variance. Basically say, our best shot is you can't stop us, we can't stop you, and going into that shootout. Considering Utah tried to do the whole zig while they zag thing, and, and you could argue that George Hill being out for games two and three really hurt that anyway. It is worth wondering whether that Houston approach or if San Antonio modeled it would be good against the Warriors. And so it'll be fascinating because that series now that Houston won game four going away, that series is going at least two more games that Warriors fans can A, keep an eye on it because of their investment should the Warriors lock up their series either on Monday or on Wednesday against the Jazz, but also because that might be the way that the next opponent tries to beat the Warriors. And keep an eye on that. It's something that I think is worth watching. So I'm going to be fascinated to see where that series goes. It's very unpredictable. I think that the Spurs are probably the favorites. Parker being out doesn't help, but I think they can generate enough offense to make it work. But we'll see. And if you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, you can check it out. Uh, you can send it to me, NBA at gmail.com, at DannyLaRue on Twitter. You can also read my work. I For Game 3, I wrote up a game analysis piece for The Athletic. I also put up my every player, which is you know a little bit of a write-up on every guy. I give them a number grade, which I don't love, but I need to do it, so they do it. And, and then you know I'll have work, of course, on Game 4, which is on Monday. We are not doing the Twitter NBA show for it. I'm going to be watching it from home, so that hopefully means I'll be able to live tweet a little bit, but then I'll also be writing, podcasting, and doing every player analysis so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun who knows it might be the Warriors last game for a little bit we don't know yet we'll have to see so thank you some oh if you want to support the show almost forgot that if you want to support the show leave a rating leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing subscribe download every episode spread the word however you see fit word of mouth internet you know 
whatever whatever makes you happy I, I really do appreciate it and hopefully at some point in the next couple of days i will put out the thing that i alluded to on yesterday's locked on warriors in terms of figuring out what i want to do moving forward i might actually have some time to do that tomorrow so we'll see so thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.